On Friday, which was Valentine's Day, the New York Times had a special section where people could write in and talk about love and relationships and how things were going at home. And for those of you men who are just now realizing it was Valentine's Day on Friday, you may stay at my place tonight. One of the writers was named Karen O'Connor from Washington, and she wrote this, which I thought was actually very insightful and connected with our lessons for today. She said, if mundane daily chores like dishwashing have become an instrument of power dynamics, then the dishes are not the problem. The overriding principle is not a chore list, but respect for the other the ability to really see and hear the other. I think what she's trying to say is that while it's important to share household tasks and that we should question gender roles and not take them uncritically, being egalitarian in and of itself doesn't necessarily lead to a healthy relationship. This is a good reminder for us that it is about the respect and about the seeing and the hearing of one another that actually makes for a sound relationship. Now, I I doubt that Karen knows much about Deuteronomy chapter 30 or Matthew chapter 5, but something that she writes gets to the heart of what I want to talk about today. Somehow her comment forged in the crucible of day-to-day relating captures what the lessons are trying to say that the law is not an end in itself. The law creates the conditions where love can flourish. In today's passage from Deuteronomy, Moses and the people are perched on the promised land and Moses has been told that he cannot pass into the promised land and so he now has to download everything that he's been trying to say to them all these years. This is his farewell speech. Moses reminds the people that God is with them, has always been with them in the wilderness, and will lead them faithfully forward. Moses makes it very clear to the people that they have a choice. They can choose life or they can choose death. They can choose prosperity or they can choose adversity. Keeping the law, the Ten Commandments, will lead them in a trustworthy path. But you have to look deeply to see that Moses, whenever he talks about the law, always talks about love. They're inextricably linked. So listen to these sentences that occur before our passage today. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, just as he delighted in prospering your ancestors, when you obey the Lord your God by observing his commandments and decrees that are written in the book of the law, because you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. It is a false dichotomy to say that Jewish people believe in the law and Christian people believe in love. Don't ever say that. The law is grounded in love and love is guided by the law. They need each other and that's what Moses is trying to say. Jesus develops this even further in his Sermon on the Mount according to Matthew. It's a long several chapter uh, teaching But here he's speaking specifically to the Pharisees and others who pride themselves on keeping the law while their hearts have grown cold and dead. Jesus basically says, you think you're righteous? You're not even close. The law says don't murder. I say don't even insult your neighbor. 
The law says don't commit adultery. I say don't even look at your neighbor with lust. The law says don't swear falsely. I say don't swear at all. The religious leaders listening must have said, that's impossible. There's no way I can live that kind of love, that kind of law, to which Jesus would have said, exactly. We cannot love as God loves. We cannot do that in our own power. It is the spirit of Christ dwelling in us that enables us to love in the first place. So basically, Jesus is bringing his listeners to the very end of what they can accomplish and saying, perfect, now I've got you where I want you. Let me love in you the love of God, which surpasses human understanding. Having faith isn't just about being good. It's not just about checking the boxes. Having faith is about trusting God completely. So when we say that we believe in God, we mean something a little different than some of our other Christian sisters and brothers. When we say we believe in God, what we mean is that we trust God. It doesn't mean that we always agree on everything. It doesn't mean we don't have questions. It doesn't mean that we don't wrestle with something like the Nicene Creed. It just means God is the one in whom we put our trust. And take the creed for example. I have so many people who have come to me and say, I struggle with parts of the creed. I don't understand that part. I don't believe that part. First thing I say to them is, the church holds that faith for you as you take your individual journey. So there are parts you will get and parts you will not. So just let the church hold that faith for you. That's kind of the circle of our faith. But more importantly, it's not about agreeing with everything literally. It's saying, in whom do I put my trust? That's what the creed is. And according to the ancient church all these years, we put our trust in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is a trustworthy place to put our trust, and that's what we're doing in the creed. Religion at its best, I think, teaches us to love as God loves. We can't do this naturally. We don't know how to do it. We need to come to church and be shaped and be formed. That's what we mean by formation. When we talk about formation in the church, it's how do we align our hearts with God's heart so that we love as God loves. That is a lifelong process, and we have to show up in order for that to happen. So I'd like us to think a little bit about what church is. What is this thing that we do together? Why do we come together on Sunday and throughout the whole week long pray and vision what God is doing in the world. Let me talk a little bit about what church does. First, we're shaped by this community, and it's not a monolithic community. There are men and women, old and young, gay and straight, rich and poor, every political persuasion. We are all here together. Church is one of the last places where we agree to come and sit with each other and be together and be shaped by one another. That is a unique call of church to be that for one another, to be the community. Second, when we come and worship, we are shaped by the liturgy, which just means our order of service. You might have gotten kind of used to it. It might be kind of rote, but nothing in our worship is accidental. And I'd ask you to put on your lens today as you watch what happens in this service and see what it teaches us about love and about formation. Just a few examples. We process in and out because we are constantly on a journey toward God. 
We sing because music captures our deepest longings and connects our minds with our hearts. Music is essential to the worshiping community. We stand, we sit, we kneel because each posture communicates something about our relationship with God. And at the offertory, we bring ourselves to God and in the Eucharist, God brings God's self to us, feeding us and nourishing us. So it is that mutual indwelling. We give all that we have, all that we are, even our imperfection, we place it on the altar and then God returns it to us in God's love so that we can be strengthened for the journey. That's what worship is doing. That's how we're being formed. And finally, we're shaped by our encounters with people beyond the walls. As you've heard me say before, we come and we are fed so that we may go out and live the kind of love that God intends in the world. God receives us as we are, but never leaves us there. We're constantly being transformed by God's Holy Spirit to become the people of God. And that's my vision of St. Michael, that we are alive and supple and becoming the people of God, never arrived, always becoming. Church teaches us how to love. And we don't do it perfectly, but we know that in church with Christ at the center, when we fail, God will redeem us, God will forgive us so that we can start again. Church is one of those few places where failure is part of the recipe. So we're talking about law, that it's a scaffolding, it's a structure. We're talking about the love of God which flows through that, that keeps us alive and supple. And so I want to give you a picture of an interaction that I had with a parishioner in Sun Valley. Um, it was about two years ago. And I had just pulled my car into the parking lot, got out and there was this elderly parishioner coming toward me whom I knew well and she called me over and we were chatting. And I don't know if she'd just been to the Sun Valley Wellness Festival or seen her homeopathic practitioner. I'm not quite sure what was happening for her. But with a big smile, she said, may I give you a heart hug? And I looked at her, and I said, what is a heart hug? Nowadays in the church, you need to be very careful about hugs. <laughs> and she said, well, you just orient yourself in a way that your heart meets my heart. And you have to hold it long enough that the hearts can actually connect. Now, people, I am in a parking lot. It's Sun Valley Road. The traffic is going by. I'm like, what on earth? But she was so compelling. It was as if I was not gonna leave that moment without a heart hug. So I said, okay. So I'm very uncomfortable, but I kind of get into the right posture. And then she goes, now you just have to hold this for a minute. And I will tell you, I felt physically myself changing as my heart met her heart. And I realized that's what church is. You share your heart, I share my heart, and together we are changed. We are made better by sharing those hearts together. And so that's my picture of aligning our hearts with God's heart. I mean, imagine if you actually placed your heart to God's heart and said, I want to beat with you. I want to be impacted by your heart, not only for myself and my healing, but for the world. That's what we're talking about in church. It's that radical and it's that life-changing. So help one another on the journey. Show up because you can't share your heart if you're not here. Partake of the Eucharist, give yourself to God and let God give God's self to you and look for ways to serve, to take that transformed heart out into the world which needs it so desperately.
When we do this, we join our heart with God's heart, and all things are made new. Amen.